All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to do a whole lot of lead-in. We know the world is ending, so um, this might possibly be the last podcast ever, <laughs> as I joke. But uh, I don't feel like being super formal. You there, actively lazy, IBS Jesus, whoever you are today. Yes. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Where are you? Are you quarantined? I should be, but no, I'm not. Actually, I'm not. We the, can't, the we capital can't. of the <laughs> the capital of the Confederacy is not going down without a fight. So we uh, we have not been quarantined here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm waiting for the statewide mandate to happen, but it uh, I, I feel like it's going to happen. Who's going in these backwoods to get these people to stay at home, man? Ain't nobody going to mandate that. They'll just do cities, like cluster areas. You there? Did we lose them? Sorry, I got Yeah, I'm here. I had some technical difficulties, but I'm there. Yeah, I said none of the southern states are, are doing anything. But uh yeah. all right, so I feel like we I've been listening to you and Keith and he's always so formal and so concerned about <laughs> what's going on in the world. I'm like, let's talk about some football. All right, so I wanted to do I would have followed your lead, but I took a little old man nap. So I didn't do the good, bad and the ugly, like the tumbleweed thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we 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 screwed that up, or I screwed that up. Uh, so I wanted to briefly go over, or we'll see how brief it is. Briefly go over the good, the bad, and the ugly of these contracts, and you can jump in at some point too, and maybe give me a couple. But I got a list of them, and I I think the best one, the good, definitely goes Tom Brady going to the Bucks. I think the Bucks have nothing to lose. Jameis Winston is your quarterback. You just got the GOAT. As old as he is, everyone's still excited. They're talking about people coming to your team. I think it's just a home run. Even if it's just for the rele- relevancy of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've never been more relevant, even when they were a play away from the Super Bowl when Dungey was the coach. And even when they won the Super Bowl, I still think they're more relevant now than when they won. Man, listen, and I keep saying this, and I'm going to say it again on air. This man is 43 years old, 43 years old. He got a contract that left open the idea that he could play after two years. What? When is this going to end? When is somebody going to question? Yeah, how, Sway? How? Like, I don't understand how people even are considering, like, how how is anybody, like, I'm pretty sure he's got a team. I mean, he's he's a market at this point. Is nobody around him concerned? Like, you can, he can really get hurt, man. And all it takes is one good hit, one good hit. And, and I mean, he ain't getting no younger. And the, and the thing about quarterbacks um, that I think is is detrimental to a lot of them as they get older is that they're not as sharp as they used to be. They don't see things as quick as they used to be. They don't feel the pressure like they used to feel it. And they take a lot of hits that they, they typically don't take. 
I mean, I'm I'm worried if he plays after this contract. I, I'm I'm cool with two years. I do agree with you that it that it's definitely a home run for this franchise in the sense that worst case scenario they're going to have marketability. They're going to be on TV. They're going to get their name back out there. Um, it puts them back in the mainstream. And and the guys like Mike Evans and and Godwin, they can only learn from them. You know, they can only get better. And uh, I mean, Bruce has shown that he's a he's a capable coach uh, with with veteran quarterbacks anyway. So all in all, it's not the worst. But come on, man, a two year contract and you're like you can't franchise happy. Why would that even be considered? Why would that even be considered? You're gonna be four five. <laughs> he wanted to make sure they won't try to screw him over, bro. He got three more Ridiculous. years. It's forty three. So he's Ridiculous. got two more years. That's it. I re- I feel like this year we could have a good year. Then next year he'll fall off the cliff. But if you look at it as the advancement of technology, obviously the TB12 system. I don't know why you rant. The man's explaining what's going on with the TB12 system, and we know he's got Guerrero and, and the goons and, and special formulas and potions and all that stuff. And I try to look at it. I don't remember how old Peyton was. It was like late 30s, 40s, maybe 39 before he fell off the cliff. Far was like 41, 42. Like that last year when he came back for Green Bay and the streak got broken, he was awful. But before that, he had one of his best seasons ever, and that was over 40. So if you look at it as being this really outlier and a man who's dedicated to taking care of his body and voodoo science more than anybody else, then to me it's possible. Even though last year I think we saw a little bit of slippage. I don't know how much of that is due to the lack of weapons or due to him slipping. So Peyton Manning is 43 right now, and he's done, okay? And he was done four years ago. Four years he ago, life, he was though. done. So he was done he at 39. We saw the decline Peyton had neck in surgery. Peyton. He was in. Okay, neck okay, okay. Surgery, okay. Man. okay. He okay. got hurt. That's fine. People, people don't That's even fine. hit Brady anymore. It's like they lay him down and say, okay, GOAT, I appreciate you. Like, nobody <laughs> no, everybody wants to see okay. Brady play. Like, even defensive players call him the GOAT, and they want to see him play, man. So I Brett think Farr stopped fine. at 40. Brett stopped at 40, okay? Brett stopped at 40, and we've got this man, That's Tom Brady, talking Tom about Brady playing. Was until we told you. <laughs> I know. I mean, I knew he was old. I just, like I said, I was just being vague. I was like, he's 40. Like, I'm just generalizing. I, I didn't want to get specific. Like for I was gonna say forty something. I, I honestly didn't know he was exactly forty three, but, he was but I was Super thinking Bowls he was... at forty. He's playing at a high <laughs> level. Those guys. I mean, he's been to the Super Bowl. What, they but, they had I they, they won the Super Bowl what two years ago. So he was forty one. The Atlanta Super Bowl. I think he must have been thirty nine. The the he was forty the year they lost to Philly and threw for five hundred yards, which I think that was the final year of him being a great quarterback. Actually. But yeah, I was gonna say he really hasn't been like that. Spe- I mean, you would expect some decline, but I, I just I worry about the velocity on his throws, man, and I worry about his accuracy when he's throwing deep now. And he's got a vertical offense, and he's got a, a offense which I will I will correct myself. I uh, underestimated Bruce Aarons, and I did some research. He likes to let that thing fly. You know that that's his philosophy. Um, he's, he's got a lot of quotes out there about his philosophy when attacking uh, defenses and, and how he likes to take risks. And I'm not sure if 43-year-old Tom Brady is, is about that life because cause he's, I mean, let's be real, he's kind of a check-down guy right now. 
Um, but hey, we'll why see would, how it works. Why would Tom Brady, Tom Brady, listen to Bruce Arians? That's going to be a problem too. <laughs> I mean, Bruce is your guy. You tell That's me. Bruce is your guy. He came there. It's like LeBron. When you take that on, you know what you're giving up. Tom Brady runs the team. Same thing Peyton did. Didn't matter what the system was. They're going to adjust. Tom Brady. What are you going to tell Tom Brady? Bruce Arians is going to tell Tom Brady how to play. And Bruce Arians isn't an idiot. He's not going to go vertical all the time with a guy that's that old. But also, with those receivers, though, maybe you can just go vertical even at Tom's age because they're open. <laughs> Both I those mean, dudes can get down the field. I've been watching Mike Evans most of his post-high school career, and he ain't about that shallow cross life. He ain't. That just ain't what he do. <laughs> I mean, I wish Corey was here to, to to confirm that. He probably said the same thing. That I mean, he ain't gonna do it like full time. Like he gonna have to go vertical. He gonna have to. But even when you saw with Gordon, and even with Antonio Brown for that one game, Brady was willing to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he threw he it up when, when he had the stars. Yeah, he was. To athletes, I mean, it ain't gonna be that hard. He'll just Tom. Instead of throwing it when the dude it breaks open at forty yards, he'll anticipate it and throw it at twenty five yards, and then the dude will just run up under it or something. It's just Brady, man. It's gonna be fine. Now, if he really, really and, and, his fastball like Peyton, I think you got the mental game. You got you got a lot of the true. mental game. He'll figure it out. And I think and there is something to be said. Yeah, I was gonna say and there is something to be said about the uh, reports that people are actively seeking employment with the Buccaneers now, which is probably something we haven't been able to say in a decade or so. But, like, people want to play with Tom Brady, um, and and that's great. Uh, Hopefully they can get some vets out there that are willing to run some routes. I'm fully expecting T.O. to to put his name in the hat because he does this every year. (laughs) But, um, I mean, it'd be nice. I I, I think uh, Aaron said he's out on A.B., which – Kind of makes sense because he kind of knows AB a little, so I, I heard mm-hmm. that he was out on that. But um, I mean, there's still other people they can plug and play um, and and really make it work. I think it's something that I'm looking forward to seeing, even though I've been negative about so, it for the most part. I'm still looking forward to it. You're just upset because your boy James don't have a job. <laughs> they doing my black quarterback dirty. Now, I can't even say that for real because people like Tyra are still out here employed. So, And Jameis has more than got an opportunity. I don't even know why they exercised a fifth-year option. They gave the man a chance. But good Lord. Be but I think be looking at, you know, but what would be your prediction about how far the uh, – or what record and how far the Buccaneers go? Um, <clears throat> without looking at their offensive line and thinking about their division – um, I could see them. I could see them competing for the division up until a point when the Saints just because of their um, their cohesiveness and the fact they've been returning the same squad for the last six years. Um, I can see the Saints pulling away at the end, but they'll be a high wild card. Um, and I I could see ten or eleven games. Ten or eleven. I I think that's that's being someone ambitious and and um. And the fact that I expect Brady to make it through the year. Not too sure about Evans uh, and Godwin. Like, they'll probably miss some games here and there. But they'll still find ways to win. Uh, 
I think I think it, it just reminds me of Joe Montana with the Chiefs so much. I think They're probably with conference finals, <laughs> division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conference finals, divisional round, whatever. And also this year to remember. No, it's not this year. It's the year after. Well, an extra team gets in, but or is it this year? I don't remember. But if it's this year, that gives them even better chance. The division, you got Carolina, you got which is rebuilding. You got the Saints mm-hmm. who are still strong, but always find a way to choke. And you got Atlanta, who you know it's hard to get a Atlanta, good one. Atlanta's they low key. They're low key rebuilding too, especially defensively. Yeah, WrestleMania is on ESPN. I just cannot get over that <laughs> WrestleMania on ESPN. And every Sunday for three weeks, they're gonna put a classic WrestleMania. I just I can't. I can't. I never thought I'd see the day as a kid that ESPN would do it. But yeah, I think we're, we're pretty much. It's kind of funny too because if everybody says San, well not San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, and then uh, you know I start thinking like, well, wait a minute, he would have pretty good weapons if he went to, you know, Tampa Bay. And so, like, why not? Then they became the leader in the clubhouse, and that was just it. So, I mean, uh, my thing about the Chargers, can I, can I speak on that real quick? Mm-hmm. My my thing about the Chargers that I thought fit him better at this point in his career is that he could definitely have leaned on that defense. That defense is going to be tough. Um, and then you got uh, Eckler, who's basically the same kind of, like, old school term scat back that he likes to dump off to and things yeah. like that. Um, he's got a really good route runner in, um, in Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen. The outside. Who, yeah. His primary wide receiver one who, who you could make an argument probably reminds you of what Deion branch was for him when he was earlier in uh, Brady's career. And then you got a vertical threat in Mike Williams, who you really can just throw it up to one and he's going to catch it. And you got to get safety net and uh, Hunter is it Hunter Henry. I think is coming back. Uh, yeah, you got to get yeah. safety net there. So, and a coach who honestly probably would let you do what you wanted to do. Like literally, I mean, Aaron's going to strike me as the type of guy who's going to take, like, he's going to take some of it, but he ain't going to just let Brady just go out here and just do what he want to do, especially with him and his offensive background. He might have got away with some of that with Bill. Yeah. But I think Lynn and, and that team provided him an opportunity, but ultimately it would have been too much work for him. Um, I want to say almost too much pressure at this point in his career. I think he kind of just wants to take on a challenge, but if it doesn't, work it won't affect his legacy like he goes to san diego and he or la with the chargers and with that talent especially on the defensive side if he doesn't win there'll be criticism if he doesn't win in tampa people are just gonna be like well it's the buccaneers and he's 42 43 sorry you know i don't think he would get that but he's 43 uh in in la i agree uh so another good on my list was and you would say if you agree or not is Malcolm Jenkins going to the Saints four years, thirty-two million dollars? I, 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 that one caught me off guard. I just heard he was available. Then he went to the Saints, and I, I thought he still had a lot of tread left. All right, he wasn't bad last year. Yeah, I think I, I've been a little too hard on him um, last year because a lot of times when you got a defense that can't cover vertically, and they keep going cover zero. It ain't the safety swap. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he probably got caught a lot 
trying to overcompensate for the lack of talent that he was he was having around a him lot in of the secondary. Yeah, he he's he's probably going to look really good in in um in New Orleans because at least one side of New Orleans can cover. Um, and and then he's just the enforcer that he's pretty much been for the for the Eagles. And I think I think ultimately this was a um, I want to say a mentality type pickup. Like you want to change the mentality of the defense. You want to get back to to that hard nosed physical Saints defense when Greg Williams was there and they had the bounty gate, but they were just knocking people's heads off. Like you kind of want that mentality. And no matter what Jenkins is or what you might think of him as a cover man, he's a tone setter. He gonna, he gonna hit you. And I think uh, it's a good pickup. He's got the experience. He's got obviously a Super Bowl ring. So he's been deep in playoffs and things like that. So it's, it's definitely a good pickup. And then uh, underrated one. Not we don't usually talk about linemen, but I think that uh, this guy has always been a stud. Even though I guess last year he wasn't as good as he's been in the past. But Brian Beluga, a big pickup for the Chargers. I don't know why. And you're a Philip Rivers. I don't know what you would call it. A Philip Rivers (laughs) admirer, frustrated. You have a. You said what? I'm a trooper. Yeah, you have a love-hate relationship, <laughs> Philip Rivers. But the irony of them trying to load up on the line once Philip Rivers leaves is absolutely amazing to me. But I do think that's a good pickup for whoever they draft at quarterback, obviously. So, you, you know, I don't, you probably don't remember, but I've I've been kind of critical of, of Belega, uh in the past, man. Just his health, man, he got to stay healthy. Yeah, he's he hurt all the time. Yeah. He's always hurt, man, and and that's the thing that sometimes because I want to say they were trying to put him um, on the left side at one point in his career, but he couldn't stay healthy, and so Aaron, yeah. I mean Aaron Rodgers was running for his life, so he ended up moving him to the right side, and he still, I mean, he got a little better, but not all that better. Um, it kind of worries me. He's the T.Y. Hilton issue. He, he he's the T.Y. Hilton of tackles. <laughs> he really is. yeah. Game time decision every. So I'm going to raise you with uh, Conklin. I think Conklin went to the Browns. Uh, my, yeah, my guy from uh, – yeah. So Jake Conklin I from Tennessee, hyped, yeah. Yeah. So I was hyped on, on uh, Jack Conklin when he, when he came out of college. Like, I just loved him, man. He, like, he was – he he was a tackle who played like a guard when he came to getting physical, man. Like, he was just a grinder. And if he could get his hands on you, it was a wrap. So everything I loved about him – was magnified by my boy Nelson. So um, I think he's still got a lot left to give. I really think that that's going to hurt um, the Titans. Uh, but it's going to be one of those things that a lot of people are probably not going to pay attention to. But it's a huge boost for an offensive line that was really trash last year. And I don't know if it was scheme or what, but, you know, we watched a lot of Baker Mayfield tape, and you couldn't help but notice that the offensive line was, was just atrocious. Like, my man was seeing ghosts, as they were saying, you know, shell shot back there. Like, literally, his clock was 1-1000. I got to run. So, a guy like Conklin definitely helps, and he's a stud in the running game. So, please expect my man Nick Chubb to get in work um, and probably excel again. He'll probably end up being the next – or not even Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, too – well, um, they'll probably be the next one-two tandem that's going to take the league by storm, and people will be like, wait, but they got Landry and Odell. But 
This offensive line, I'm very excited about what they could potentially do with a guy like that. <clears throat> excuse me, with a guy like that comes in with the leadership and the experience and talent, and and might even help some of those other young guys that they got on the line. Another one, which I wasn't sure, I put a question mark by this one because I have heard people make excuses all week long for Phillip Rivers. Say, oh, his line let him down. He hasn't fallen off the cliff. He's not washed. Both of us are, we just pay attention to a lot of Phillip Rivers because he's a phenomenon that he can play good three quarters and throw a pick and lose a game at any time. <laughs> just the last end of the game, you and Corey talk about I talk about this. The last five minutes of a Phillip Rivers game is like an NBA game. You just don't know what's going to happen. But one year, $25 million, I guess, is worth a shot for the Colts. But do you think this is in the good category? Uh, yes and no. Um, yes, because it gives them a chance to be competitive. But no, in the sense that I think Phillip is going to do just enough to win to keep them out of contention of potentially landing like uh, a, a quarterback that they can use as a cornerstone. Like long term, this doesn't do anything for the Colts, man. They don't. They still don't have a franchise quarterback, and that's necessary. And I think honestly, it would have been better for them to just tank for uh, for Sunshine and, rather than bank one year on Philip Rivers. I mean, you could essentially make a case that they do this, that they win enough, uh, get 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 guys some experience from a veteran and, and leadership. But like, who is he grooming? Like, who is he building up? Like, who's behind him to take over the reins? He's gonna come back and, and go with Jacoby. I mean. J- Jacoby was with Tom Brady in that system out there in New England, so he don't need another vet to tell him what to do. I mean, he he literally backed Tom Brady up for like two years, two, three years. So, like, what what could Phillip Rivers possibly say to him that Tom Brady hasn't? Like, so it doesn't do him any good. Um, and then Rivers needs weapons, man, and he ain't got none. So he's going to end up either banking on a receiver who never can stay healthy in T.Y. and um, – He's going to need – they're going to have to draft good, and those guys got to come ready to play. So I don't really – I don't really like it too much just because, like, long-term, like I said, it doesn't do any good. To me, it's a lateral move, not even long-term. Like, is Phillip Rivers that much better than Jacob? This Phillip Rivers, not the name. Take the name away. Is this Phillip Rivers we've seen last year and the last two years probably, is that Phillip Rivers – that much better than Jacoby Brissett? I really don't think he is. And so if I were them, I think I would have you know, pushed hard for Brady if it was possible. If you want to do this, you might as well get Brady, not do the poor man's Brady thing. Try to get try to get uh either keep Jacoby and see if he can, you know, him be your starter and maybe draft somebody. Or you know, go after Teddy. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just don't see what the point of this is unless you're just trying to get fan support. But it's a they're going to be eight and eight, no doubt, and not make the playoffs. I mean, that's it's like it's doomed for that. Yeah, I mean, they could have got the poor man's um, Andrew Luck and, and Jameis Winston. <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I would be to me, and at least you don't know what your feeling is with Jameis. Like, I think yeah. if you're being realistic, everybody knows what this looks like. 
just mediocrity. Frank has shown that he can he can coach a little, man, especially from the quarterback position. That's what they're so, trying to say. I, yeah. That, I, Frank, I just, that he, he was his position coach, or maybe the offense coordinator, I don't remember. But he worked him in San Diego. <laughs> they had a good relationship. Rivers knows the system. But screw that. That, that This yeah. does nothing for me. I don't. I don't have. And, this is like Rivers having another baby. It just, you know, it, it does. It's not going to change the <laughs> dynamic of the house once you got eight. You know, having nine is not. <laughs> having nine, it, you already just got twenty kids. It don't matter. Yeah, and I was going to say too. You got to also think, like you know, we joke about Philip Rivers, but if you look at this man's mo, the Colts won a lot of games by late, last second comebacks um, during the Jacoby era. They ain't going to get a lot of that from Phillip, man. I mean, we're talking – you might be talking a four- or five-game swing based off of his turnovers in the fourth quarter. So, they're going to learn today, I guess. $25 million, you get what you pay for. Oh, the host got dropped. That's crazy. Well, I'm still on air. So, hopefully the host will call back in. And we can get this show going back again. Corona blog even affecting our uh, yeah. Corona even right? affecting blog talk. But I was trying. I don't know how where I left off of. But Eric Armstead, what what would you think on that deal? Man, what dude? I kept it off our podcast um, the other day. But let me tell you, <laughs> I absolutely hate it. Hate it. You can hear it in my voice. I hate it. Armstead is not good, man. He's not good. And he's a beneficiary, the main beneficiary of a really talented front that was anchored by Bosa and Buckner. I love Bosa, but I don't care what Chase says. I don't care what nobody says. Buckner was the centerpiece of that defense, man. Like, people don't realize how good Buckner is, and it's crazy because there's all kind of information out there about him. I mean, at one point, he was like, he was like uh, rated like the top three or five player at his age or something like that in the league. Well, we were absolutely trash winning like two to four games. He was the best player on the field. Like opponents acknowledge him. Like Aaron Donald acknowledges him, you know, like not necessarily just a, like an equal, but like, you know, people who play the position, they're like, yo, this dude's pretty good. I was blown away that one, we would even consider franchising a reach. And two, be pressured into making this this deal and then trading Buckner. Like, you don't trade prime talent like this, yo. He's prime top three in the league talent at his position. And you traded him for the number 13 pick and people out here trying to, like, justify it. No, you don't find talent like that at number 13. You don't really find talent like that in, in like, a five to seven year span is very hard to hit on a on a top three pick to be that impactful. Like that's ridiculous to me, man. So I don't like it at all. I don't know. I mean, if we made the thirteenth pick or traded or something, and that person helps us win the Super Bowl, that would be the only way that I would forgive the franchise for this because I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, I'm glad I was able to help you get that. Get, yeah, you <laughs> get sorry. that off your. I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't realize how far how much you disliked it. Uh, oh, but we're going to go back to that trade later for the bad, possibly. So I'll I'll save my thoughts. So we had Amari Cooper, which is not – I hate when they do this. But Amari Cooper, five years, 
$100 million. The thing about Amari Cooper is that Dak needs him. And he is yeah. one of the best receivers in the league. But he's on that next tier that's not elite, that's above average. And last year, much was made of our resident uh, troll, Jay Hollis, saying that he was hurt. But Amari disappeared during the playoff run. And he only had good games at home. And so my belief about Amari is basically if he's got a favorable matchup, watch out, man. But if he doesn't have a favorable matchup, it's not good. And when you're looking at paying somebody $20 million for at least two years, that's just a lot. But at the same time, we need him. As a Cowboy fan, we definitely need him. So my thing on Amari is, like, you know, I say it about Luka all the time in the NBA jokingly, but Amari Cooper is definitely the poster child for if you lean on him, he will. He don't want no smoke with anybody that's actually good. And and you can look at the games that he had against top guys and how he played, and when they were physical with him and got in his face, how it looked, he just, he just wasn't about that life, man. So, um, I mean – you have to pay him. You have to bring him back if you're the Cowboys because if you don't, you're essentially telling Dak Prescott you're not invested in him. Like, what would you, what would be your, your fallback plan? I mean, maybe you could have let Amari go and then brought in Emmanuel Sanders, but that's still not a, that's not good enough because Dak and Amari have good chemistry. So it's a move that had to be done at $20 million. I mean, from, from all the reports that we heard before, he wasn't he was trying to do something team-friendly, you know? And I don't know if twenty million was really team friendly, but it's only for two years and then you know you guys got options to whittle out if it doesn't work. But this was I think this was more of a move to, to let Dak know, like, hey, you know, you're still our guy, we're still invested in you, we want you to succeed. So next year we're gonna work on your contract too. Yeah, it's it's just kind of a I feel like we have a ceiling with Amari that and they made him the second-highest paid player. But just with him being our number one guy, there's just a ceiling because, like you said, when you press him, and like I'm saying, that in those big games, and they're not against NFC East teams, that we don't get him. Like He's going to dominate NFC East teams usually. You know, he did do it to the Eagles, but generally he dominates those kind of teams. And I, I just – that's a lot of money to invest. But again, do you like feel like you're regressing for a year, and then you go over, and then you get better? Like, so do you sign uh, Sanders and then get a guy in the draft and hope you develop relationships and and just hope Dak keeps getting better, or do you just stay with what you know? And that that's the kind of thing. The Cowboys are still in win now mode, and sometimes I think that hurts the overall team because you you're not willing to let people walk, even though they're willing to let Byron Jones walk. But generally speaking, they aren't letting them let people walk. Now, I know this one you will have a big opinion about. And I thought this is one of the best moves of the whole uh, free agency or the tampering period. The Vikings trade Stephon Diggs to the Bills. The Vikings get 2021st, fifth, and sixth round pick, and a 2021 fourth round pick. Pick, rather. I mean, it's. Proper compensation for somebody that that's got the ability of digs. I mean, you could say they kind of overspent because of the amount of picks, but 
I mean, if it makes Josh Allen comfortable better, makes the offense more explosive, then honestly there's there's really no price tag they could really put on um getting somebody like Diggs. Like they need they need a playmaker, man. Um and, and not like, I mean, Brown's a playmaker but he's essentially just a vertical threat. Like they need somebody that's dynamic yeah. and I think Diggs can be uh dynamic and with Josh Allen's accuracy issues, like it, it should help help him uh get a little bit better. So I, I definitely loved it and I think the Vikings got proper compensation for it and uh, can definitely make some moves with the amount of picks that they got um, and, and build off of that. I just, for one, I don't understand how this guy can complain a year like he's an NBA player and you finally trade mm-hmm. him. Like, just shut up. Mm-hmm. Don't trade him. Like, get over it. But, I mean, I guess they did get a good haul for him, but I just love the fact that you had Diggs and Thielen when they were healthy. Not that my boy Zim, who I love Zim, but he he wants to live in the past and be a power running team when you got a play-action quarterback and two really good receivers. But I, I just I don't like losing that, a player like that as a Viking. But then you got to look at how quickly will Diz get frustrated with your favorite inaccurate quarterback? Um, I think I think you'll give him at least, at least a month. <laughs> He'll probably. I, I would say this. Exactly. I I wholeheartedly believe that a lot of Diggs' frustration came from Kirk Cousins not pulling the trigger on on one on ones and situations where he's used to getting the best of people. And I don't think he'll ever have that issue with Josh Allen. I mean, he might tuck it and run kind of quick, but if you tell him to throw it, I'm I'm pretty sure ninety percent of the time he's just gonna throw it. So. um but it's I look different. Forward it presents to... a different problem. It presents a different problem where the trigger will be pulled, but the target will not be hit. Hey, you know, as long as the, the person that you're going <laughs> to don't really get hurt, I mean, and he still get his garbage time stats and stuff, he might be okay with it. I don't know. I don't know. I I worry a little bit about Diggs' diva-like attitude. It seems a little too prima donnish, but I mean, also me being a fan of Diggs, I can kind of relate in the sense or make an excuse for him because he is a playmaker. The dude just wants the ball. Like, Thielen went out, and he his numbers didn't really excel on a consistent basis. I mean, he had a couple of spots here and there, I think, when Thielen was out. But it was still, like you were saying, like he's got – they got a play-action quarterback, they got two dynamic receivers, and they're still trying to do this power running game. Like, come on, man. So I, I, think, I think he'll be a little happier with the fact that you know, it might not be accurate, but it's it's at least getting thrown to him, you know. Could you imagine telling yeah. people to come to your game? You know, it's your hometown game. Everybody come in and then they <laughs> run the ball 45 times. Like, jeez. I definitely understand his frustration, but I don't know. He's on a good team. But receivers are just another level, so I almost forgive that. But yeah. I, I don't know. They But they were winning, you know, and and there were games where Thielen had good games, and he still was – but everybody was on Cousins last year. Even Thielen said a little something. That's when you know it was bad. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see if he's truly a malcontent or if it was just the situation he was frustrated. Now, the big – one of the big deals was Byron Jones, five years, $82 million, going to the <laughs> Dolphins. The Dolphins made a lot of moves. Would you put this one in the good category? 
the Dolphins made a lot of people rich is what they did. Um, yes, they did. No, yes, did. no, I I won't put it in the good category. I love Byron Jones. Don't get me wrong. I, I love his style of play. I liked him when he came out of uh, college as well. Um, I think he's got a good frame for the position as well. So in, in the, in the event that he does technically lose a step, I think he's, he's sound enough technique wise to still maintain um, a decent level of pay, but I don't think there's any cornerback in the league right now that I would pay like a receiver because that's what I saw in his contract in yeah. my mind. I was like, no wonder Cowboys let him go. I mean, I'm not mad at them at all for letting him go for that. Amount. I mean, you just can't justify that with the team's needs and stuff. And, I mean, as a player, he's got every right to maximize his, his, uh, his like, wealth. But, I mean, if the Dolphins want to pay that and they can afford that, more power to them. But – when you put a contract on a on a cornerback like that, you essentially put a target on his back, and then a lot of times, you know, they don't work as hard. I mean, we've seen it happen a lot with the diva positions. When they get paid, they definitely take take a step back. So um, I don't think you could ever live up to that contract if you're Byron Jones. Um, but he's he's got it. Like I said, I wouldn't necessarily count it as as good or great, but I mean, he's got it at least. Definitely an upgrade, and then, but and, and if you're the Dolphins, at some level you pay a premium for not being good. I think you got him, and you got Xavier Howard. I do like teams that have two guys as that that are like lockdown ish corners. I like combination when you do that, and if I and the Dolphins be bad, so you're paying a premium, but. A guy was like two interceptions over the last two years, and I know interceptions to some degree are luck, but you're play, you luck ought to be on your side a little bit more, just being in the right spot and being a playmaker. And I was sad to see him go as a Cowboy fan, but at the same time, he's not worth that. And that's what I don't think people understand when I'm talking about contracts. I'm not – and to some degree you either, I'm not advocating necessarily for the players. I'm advocating for capitalism. The players try to get as much. It's a business. The player side, they try to get as much as they can, and they maximize their value. And the team is allowed to say, no, you are not worth that. When you see stacked and unfair practices, like the NFL does a lot of times, and then the fans are one-sided, I think that's what we both get on is when you're upset at the player for exercising the few leverage points that he has when the team exercises their leverage points at every end and everybody's just okay with it. I'm okay with both. Yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree too, man. Like, I'm for sound business. I'm for people getting their fair share. I'm for people compensating people who have who have done wondrous things for them. I'm not for this lowball um, like BS that they be trying to do in the NFL, and, I, and I'm not for how the the team spin it to get fans to turn against players. And it's like, yo, at some point, like you gotta realize this is a brutal sport, man. Like we we love it and we we root for people and. and we expect them to come out and play and stuff, but like the life expectancy of a of a player in the, in regards of their playing life, like it's very limited, especially in some of these positions. And I'm sure we'll get to some bad contracts once we you know, we talk about running backs. That I'll, I'll go on a little bit more of a tangent about that. But 
these players, man, get your money. Get your money and, and get it the market value if you can. Um, and in the case of Jones, I mean, it's, to me, it's exceeding that. But, again, he's well within his right, and if the Dolphins feel like they can pay that and, and they want to, then by all means, more power to them. The last one I have on the good list, which is another question mark, but I do think it's an upgrade, which is good. Three years, $45 million for James Bradbury for the Giants. They basically had nobody left in the secondary except for DeAndre Baker, who was not good so far. And the thing is, is you're talking about overpaid and what the market is. And the Giants fans have really circled the wagon because this one has been criticized by a lot of people. <laughs> and I don't know how to feel about it because I know he's not a lockdown corner. PFF, I don't think he's ever gotten higher than a 70 in the last three years. Josh Norman replacement. But they have their little things. They say he's been shadowing people. and But he's just, however you look at it, he's not an elite corner. And he's getting elite corner money. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a a desperate move by a desperate franchise <laughs> to replace to replace somebody, man. Like, I mean, they got a lot of holes up there, and, and like you said, I think you made a post about Giants fans earlier defending like every move that their team makes. Like, you know, they never criticize it, and this seems like one of those moves that um, for guys who watch a lot of first take and things like that. They they would probably support it because somebody on there was like, oh yeah, he's good, you know, he he played for the Panthers and he plays Josh Norman, and, you know, but no, no, like it kind of goes along with what you were saying about Byron Jones. I think there's there's levels to to being a, a cornerback or a defensive backs, and and we're not talking zone, we're not talking man, we're talking about making plays and. If you deflect passes, break up passes, and things like that, that's great. But if you get turnovers, like if you're moving the chains the other way, flipping the field position, like that's how you make your bank, man. That's like I don't care if you're shadowing Amari Cooper. If you're not catching Dak's terrible passes and stuff, then what what good are you doing for me in the long run? Like I need I need something. And I think that's what separates elite from good uh, players. And, and I think right now – the line is blurred because people just want to reach. They just want to get, like, they got a, a $60 million uh, space and cap. You got to fill it with somebody, and here you go. Like, I feel like that's what one of these moves like yeah. like this is. Like, we got cap space. We got to spend it. Here you go. And honestly, their options, like, it's a glaring hole. What are you going to just go get a whole bunch of rookies or get some mediocre people? Mm-hmm. He's not mediocre. He's above average. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why not? So, but, I mean, if you build a defense, he can be one of the guys that's like a cornerstone if you go get some people. The Giants just have so many holes, especially on defense. If you go get some people, you get a pass rush, you get some linebackers. But they just really – this is an example, too, of when a team goes all in like they did in 2016 when they got Snack Harrison and they got Janoris Jenkins and all that. This is the other side of it. If you don't make that run, and those guys get old, you have to cut them, and you're starting over, it can get really ugly really quick. Hopefully that's not the way the Rams are going, but it's something I can see. Oh, for sure, yeah. I I was going to say the Rams are kind of headed in that direction. 
Um, and then you got to think too, the Giants really haven't given a lot of people time to, to develop or, or even make sense of their contracts. So, uh, they got to show some patience. Like if you're going to pay the guy to be, you know, the anchor of the, the secondary, then you got to be patient with him, especially if you scouted him beforehand and you know, he's not there just yet. Give him a couple years then don't, don't let it go a year or so. And then, you know, want to drop him or, or release him or figure out a way to like keep him off the field. Like you got to give him time. Hey, let's go to the bad. Bad, I think, not necessarily the signing itself. Even though the signing is kind of weird, Melvin Gordon, two years, sixteen million dollars, turned down a ten-year, uh, ten-year, uh, a ten million dollar per year contract. I don't know that the Chargers ever even gave him his money back. A lot of teams will do uh, like do your solid, and they'll find you when you hold out. And then they'll say, okay, you came in, we worked it out, let's take that money off the table. I don't even believe the Chargers did that. So I think <laughs> Melvin Gordon has been losing money. But they already have Lindsey, and didn't they draft somebody too? They have another bat that Denver does. I mean, they I don't got understand why yeah. Melvin... So they got a bunch of backs. I don't understand it either. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand why this was that urgent. And So the three-headed monster, I guess, in the backfield, but – I, I would say this is on the bad, mostly for Melvin Gord, but I'm not sure how much of a difference maker he makes for Denver either. I don't think he makes any difference, and I don't understand why they even bothered, man. Like, does it, it's bad because one, it doesn't make any sense, and if we had a chart for needs on the on the um, Broncos, running back would be probably the very bottom. So. It's just a dumb move. It's 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 an Elway move. It makes no sense. But it's a name, and people recognize it, so they're like, yay, our name's out there. But no, no, doesn't make any sense. I can't remember a player being as affected by a holdout. I never believed in Melvin Gordon. He had some good seasons, and he was coming off his best season, and people were actually respecting him as one of the best backs in the league. Then he holds no. out and thinks he's Zeke, <laughs> and he loses all that cachet that he built up after he was so doubted, and now he's getting two-year contracts for $16 million. Yeah, um, I if I was Melvin Gordon, I would have ran to Tampa. Yeah, I guess he didn't know. He he did it too quick. I think he signed for Brady or maybe the same year. But they also have Royce Freeman, who's neither here or there. But you got two people already in your backfield that are confident, so I don't know why. I I, I don't understand the move, but I think yeah. that definitely goes on my bad. They're spending a lot of money. I guess that's not a lot of money. Uh, only 16, $16 million of it is guaranteed. Wait a minute. $13 million of it is guaranteed, but thirteen point five. but I don't know, man. It's, 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 I don't know. This is weird. One of the worst moves, I think, or just as I've watched him deteriorate, is, and I'm just like, Why? Is Jimmy Graham to the Bears two years, sixteen million? Why? <laughs> That's just what. Just what, why? You, Somebody should sign. You're asking he's confident, but why? You're asking why. I'm asking how. How did Jimmy Graham get a new trade clause at this point in his career? <laughs> Are you kidding I, me? I don't. <laughs> what? Um. I mean, he'll probably get he'll probably get some work now that they got Nick Foles, but I don't know, man. Like, dude, don't 
I don't know. I guess his time in Green Bay, I can't really be too too critical because I think him and um, Aaron Rodgers just didn't mesh. Um, but he should mesh in um, in Chicago with Foles. But I don't I don't understand what I don't know what he does for your offense now. Like he's he's just not that that uh, Jimmy Graham that we knew in uh, New Orleans. He hasn't he hasn't even been a shell of that Jimmy Graham. You know. Yeah, the athleticism's not there. He's more of like a positioning mm-hmm. guy. He's big. he's a possession tight end that's six five with the athletic frame. Like that that's what he is. This is like Tony Gonzalez the last no, even like a poor man's gates when Gates was like a year before being super washed up. Like it's just yeah. not there. I, I just don't man. I, I just it's sad too. And he had he had Aaron Rodgers, and I mean he was underwhelming. He wasn't bad. He's just average, but he has a name. So, I mean him and Aaron never matched because I mean Jimmy, bless his heart, comes from offenses that play on script. And well, you can run your route <laughs> in, in Green Bay. You ain't gonna get the ball. <laughs> no, you better be ready to you better be ready to roll with him rolling. So, uh, another big one. You went out a rant about this on the other podcast with. Uh, with Keith, and I guess I'll say that now we have the what's the name of y'all podcast? <laughs> that sounds great, don't uh, I? Back door, the back door cover. Yeah, the back door cover. Just my head is spinning. But the back door cover podcast. Both these guys do a really good job. It is very thoroughly researched, especially when there is actual gambling besides the made up horse races and Madden tournaments that you're currently betting <laughs> on. But it's very good. It's still on this podcast feed. With Keith Fleming. Also, make sure you give us five stars, or I'll be inclined to believe that you are a hater. Five stars helps spread the word. Uh, the one that you hate, and one of probably one of the most overpaid players, even though I really like him as a player, but there's a lot of money. Austin Hooper, Cleveland Browns, given another weapon, no excuses for Baker, four years, $44 million. That's a lot of money for basically a, a good fantasy tight end, a, a fantasy sleeper tight end is what he is. I mean, part of why I hate it is because they didn't use Njoku last year, and I thought Njoku was a great safety blanket in short, short yardage and in the red zone, and they just basically, like, iced him out of out of the uh, offense, and I, I'm still a little bitter about that. I don't think Austin Hooper's that nice. I mean, maybe it's because I, I watch Kittles all the time, but and I don't think he's that nice. But he's done a great job of making sure that everybody's got to pay Kelsey and Kittles a king's ransom now. So we appreciate that. So this is Bill Barr. Will writes really good articles, but they're long articles. So sometimes, and he has good information that's not pro football focus information. I know everybody thinks that I love pro football focus, and I do. But it's not to be all in dark. It's just one tool. But I only have to take one tool out for certain jobs because some dudes are ignorant. So I don't mm-hmm. have to. <laughs> I don't have to take more than one tool for some jobs. So you know, people that don't even watch film, all you got to do is call a PFF thing to them. But Hooper had most of his stuff is garbage time. Hooper has 50 catches for 552 yards and five touchdowns in situations with sub-10% win expect. So that means when the team only has a 10% or less chance of winning, he has 50 catches 
for 522 yards. That's a lot of garbage time. That's a good season for a number four wide receiver. That's like Randall Cobb numbers, even though he did a little better than for the Cowboys. His last year at uh, James Jones numbers on the Packers, Randall Cobb at the end for the Packers. You know, that, that's a whole season of garbage time that he's got. Probably half his stuff is garbage time. Yeah, I mean, we know – I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, and, and I was uh, really high on Calvin Ridley in garbage time last year. Um, but, I mean, that's been his tenure in Atlanta. They haven't really been that competitive. But um, he should still get a lot of garbage time in Cleveland too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're looking for fantasy, it's a good pickup. But real life, I'm not sure – how much that helps. But they did get Conklin, like you said, so they tried to solidify the line. One of the early yeah. trades, and just like, what's going on? I don't understand. Jags traded Calais Campbell <laughs> to the Ravens. I don't know why the Ravens keep getting <laughs> stuff for just a fifth-round pick. That's all you got was a fifth-round pick. I know he was, like, in a contract year or had one year left, but that's all you got? Man, I don't even have words for that. I literally can't explain how that was even possible. Like I said, that when when the trade got announced, I said you can't even do that on Madden. You turn the trade veto off and you still can't do that. They won't let you. It's not proper compensation. That is ridiculous. Jags are doing a fire sale on one of the most talented defenses of the last like three years and everybody is, is gracious. And, and accepting and taking all their people. So, um, I mean, the Ravens definitely got better, man. And, and they, they still need linebackers, I think, um, to really get back to that old old defensive style that we're used to seeing. But um, they're well on their way, and I think that's just a solid move. You know, that's a very Ozzy-like move by their uh, new GM. And they just uh, – gosh – I don't understand why the Ravens keep getting people. Didn't they get Jarrell Casey, too? Like, just stop. God, I'm sick of it. So, like, Lamar, even if he does have a drop-off, the defense might be so good that it can carry him. So, I don't know. But you you look at what the Ravens have been, and it's just so underappreciated because a couple balls didn't bounce correctly, honestly, for them to win maybe, like, three Super Bowls instead of, where they've won two since 2000, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I I marvel at how good and how smart their franchise is and how much they've been overshadowed by the Patriots. And I think, obviously, Belichick's great, but I think the difference between those two franchises is one has the greatest quarterback of all time and the other had Joe Flacco most of the time. And, and, and also, the Ravens have always been that team that could actually challenge – the Patriots and not have any fear, you know? Yeah, and you don't really hear about the Ravens having a lot of contract issues either. They just always make sound um, business decisions. Just a very solid uh, organization. Yeah, they rarely overpay, but they don't. But they also lock up there. If you've got talent, they lock you up, get value, they don't overpay. And they're just really solid, steady, smart. They have a philosophy. They stick to it. And even the succession plan without Ozzy seems to be going pretty well. Now mm-hmm. let's get 
to the ugly. I think it was an ugly, ugly, ugly uh, free agency period for running backs. And you can just take that rant and go with it. That's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But in the same breath, I, I just think it's just really, like, goofy for people to, to keep justifying that running backs – don't matter, they don't. but it's just, I mean, they don't, but it's such a vague statement, man. Like, they matter for a time. They're just, their shelf life they is just really, really short. They, it's really short. I mean, yeah, you don't want to be paying your running back $18, 20000000 million in his fourth or fifth season, no. But, I mean, something has to be done for the business model of the position because these guys take a lot of punishment and they do a lot of the, the load carrying uh for for at least the elite ones for two to three years, and then they get paid, and then it's like they, eventually they just fall apart. I mean, it's just natural. It's just the position, man. Like we we don't see running backs last longer than four or five years of of peak like uh, ability anymore, man. And and I feel bad for Christian McCaffrey. I feel bad for Saquon Barkley because technically they're like the future of the position right now, especially McCaffrey, but. I mean, I looked at Gurley's numbers and I and I put them I put them up in that post. I mean, like he's thirty something percent of the Rams offense. The one year they ran the ball, I mean they ran like a thousand plays and he literally touched the ball over three hundred times. And that's not including like play actions and things like that, uh, when he's still getting hit or he's in blocking. And you got Christian McCaffrey right now getting the ball over four hundred times in a season, dude. How do you tell this man he's not worth Eighteen million dollars, like he's he's literally forty percent of your offense. That's insane, absolutely insane. Get off. Yeah, but it's insane to me, man. <laughs> so, um, it wasn't a good deal, uh, or it wasn't um, it wasn't a good time to be a running back. Uh, I had long advocated for the running backs to do something during the um, the CBA. I um, remember, like, I'm pretty sure you remember, like, three, four years ago, I was saying, like, yo, something's got to change. Something's got to change. But they didn't, and their fellow players don't stand up for him. So um, Le'Veon took a stand, and and people are saying that, it, you know, he wasn't worth the money either. He's probably got another year to, to prove that. If not, like I said, it's just looking bad for Christian and uh, Saquon. It's funny, too. And, and it's a – I mean, I'd use the, the moniker – Half is troll, half because it's catchy, but it doesn't literally mean they don't matter. But looking at 2015, this is 2015 from the draft. 22 running backs were selected 2015. Zero of them are on the same team. That's five years ago, man. I mean, the rate of attrition. Todd Gurley was the last one. The rate of attrition at the position is tough, and they don't matter because they are just interchangeable for every running back that you pay. You can find another one. You can just find them. Now, I do believe that Gurley at his best was very valuable, but how long was that? At one point, people his second year, people said, oh, was he a bust? And then McVay came, used him correctly. So what you get, two good years of him? And then he got banged up at the end of the Super Bowl year, and then last year he was a shell of himself. So, like, you're mm-hmm. getting two to three years out of these guys, and you can just replace them. 
maybe now you do draft him early and then just, you get the fifth-year option, don't pay him, and it's a ruthless thing. And I would love for them to change it because I grew up running back with the glamour position, Walter Payton, Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders. It was just as important or just as you knew them just like you knew the quarterbacks, man. Mm-hmm. And Herschel Walker, uh, 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 Bo Jackson, like superstars. But the reality of it, it is what it is. Also, it's a, more, it's a passing league now, and running isn't as effective as it once was when it's so easy to pass. It, it's just the reality of the game and the league. When I was arguing that a running back can't be MVP, the way the league is set up, like, you can't. So it's just not the position is plentiful and you can find one anywhere. And what they do doesn't have the same value, even though they'll be valuable, which I admit to. Yeah, I think um, I think you got a point. I was I was chuckling because I was thinking of a of a, um, a reference. I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, running backs are basically. I hope this isn't a kid friendly show, but they're basically the bottom bitch for two or three years, and then you give them a fourth year one more time, and then after that, you just let them go. You retire them, and somebody else will pick them up and love them, you know. But you know, you've spent you spent that for four years. You know, you don't get much out of the fifth year, so it's not surprising that that you know five years since you know these guys got drafted that none of them are on the same team that actually drafted them because those teams probably used them all up. Um, that list that you had posted, in the I group, feel like they used to last some... longer. Did you? Do you? Do you remember? Yeah, but, from, yeah I'm but, a little bit older. They used to last longer. But, I feel like. But think about it. The way people like the play action pass is used a whole lot, and people ain't smart no more. Yeah. And they they literally take a lot of shots at the running backs. And I think I think the accumulation of blocking and and uh, being used in the passing game more uh, prevalently, like I said, it's not even it's not even that they get the ball sometimes. It's just them getting hit. Like I'm sure Christian McCaffrey gets hit. Or, or got hit 600 times last year. He's only on record of touching the ball 400 times, but he's probably. I mean, we didn't. I didn't count targets. I just count receptions when I when I put that data in. So you can imagine yeah. he's probably got 300 targets, but he's only got like 100 something catches. Like man, it, it just it, the accumulation it just wears on you, man. When um, they tried to do running back by committee and things like that. But it's just none of it's good enough to really sustain these guys because they're they're getting hit and they're getting hit hard and a lot of times they're getting hit defenseless and I mean the league just hasn't done enough to to really uh, give the position a future man yeah and it's, it's so it's so sad how and we could get into a little bit. But like and that probably would be on the bad list too. But I didn't think of it. Just the 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 new CBA. But it's so sad to me that the NFL is unique because I have so many players, and every sport cares about the middle class. Well, every sport there's a upper middle class. There's a well, there's a rich and there's a middle class, and then there's a kind of like I won't want to say the poor because none of them are poor, but a lower middle class. And But the football, there's so many players, and your shelf life is so much shorter than baseball 
or basketball for a lower-end player that the guys that are the lower-end players and the middle-class guys got to vote in their interest because they're not going to be helped out by the top guys. And so stuff like running back, stuff like uh, the running back um, being being treated the way they are, stuff like the franchise tag, hell, stuff like the rookie cap, which is not good. In the end, you get more money if you didn't have a rookie salary cap because that means you get the Bradfords that make all that money, and then the next year. Imagine how much money Joe Burrow could negotiate for if there was no rookie wage scale. Like, that helps the Oh, league, yeah, for but sure. But they never look at the future of the league. They look at the right now. That's all these players see because they're gladiators. That's all they see. Yeah, I, I think um, I think a lot of what we see in the um, in the NFL in regards to their players' association just shows a lack of leadership, man. Like this whole CBA just showed that they just don't have any leadership amongst the players' association. I mean, for the for, what did they say? Like five hundred people didn't even vote. Like for that to even happen yeah. is just absolutely ridiculous, man. It's a joke. Ridiculous. Um, so. I, I really think they would benefit more if they just had leadership, and and I don't know where they're ever, if they're ever going to get it. A lot of these young guys now are looking out for themselves anyway because they want to get their bank, and uh, I think the the establishment that is the owners um, and the way the league set up, they did a great job of turning the players against one another and a lot of infighting because I think we had uh, certain players like uh, Sam Ocho or something like that. Um, he was or Acho, I forgot his name, but anyway, he was on Twitter saying, you know, I need this money." Yeah, and then and then you got guys like Aaron Rodgers, who's elite, and just got just got his contract and stuff. He's like, "I'm not playing this extra game," you know. So I think they did a good job of that, and and they also did a good job of of having fans, you know, kind of get on Twitter and and voice their opinion as well. But I think the people who understand football were against it, and I think the people who only like their fantasy points and, and crap like that. We're all for it. So um, they find it is it is what it is, but I, I don't think it does anything <laughs> to help the players. And it just pains me to see this. I, if there's any sport where I would tolerate or understand a work stoppage, it would be the NFL because of what they're doing to their bodies. The NBA and and MLB, those guys, my God, like they are the oh, I can't speak to European soccer, but they're really the most pampered athletes in the world. I mean, baseball mm-hmm. players, they get their they. You talk about load management. I mean, when I was growing up, dudes would just sit out baseball because they were tired because there were so many games. And granted, there's a lot of games, but damn, like <laughs> you're sitting out games. Obviously, the NBA is doing that now, and you just to play those sports for a long time and you can't play this sport for a long time and you need to max and then they have the weakest union and the strongest owners. So it's just a bad combination of what the sport is and then what they're going against. Yeah, it is it's just the most skewed sport, man. I mean, we've been saying this for years. Just doesn't make any sense, man. Like, how do you? But how do you change the tides? I mean, there's there's millions of people who would kill to be in that position. It's it's almost like 
like we wouldn't obviously we wouldn't, we wouldn't get the same quality, but I mean they could throw XFL talent out there and people would still pay three hundred dollars for tickets. You know, like yeah. it, it's football. It, it's a brand. Like it's the Oakland Raiders. You you don't really care who's in the uniform. It's the Oakland Raiders. We see that every year with these teams who tank. They go two and fourteen, one and fifteen, zero oh and sixteen, things like that, and they still sell tickets. I think the Redskins probably. Uh, as a fan base, put up one of the biggest efforts to kind of show their their uh, ownership that they were not satisfied with the product on the field this year. Because I went to a, a couple games and it was just basically uh, the away fans there. It wasn't a lot of home fans, but by and large, there's too. It's just too much. It's, it's too much of a machine to really stop. So I think the players, a lot of them who are not the one percent, just feel like they just gotta comply. Because I mean a lot of them really bank their livelihood on it. Like, this is their their uh, dream, man. Like, they can't give this up. There's people depending on them. Like, generational money can be made in this sport. A lot of these guys come from, from poverty or single-family homes and things like that. I mean, that's just the state of our country. So you can't ask these people who haven't had a lot to give up the, the little that they got for the sake of the greater good, because nobody ever looked out for them as they were coming up. So it's, it's just a, it's a little deeper than what we're, we're talking about. Um, but at some point, again, like I said, it's, it's got to change. Let's switch. And speaking of rant to probably the absolute worst move of free agency, uh, the poster child for white privilege in sports. And his name is Bill O'Brien. And I, I think, like, it's offensive to say it's white privilege to, to white people because this kind of incompetence, is, it's just more than white privilege. It's like you just – it's at another level <laughs> that I can't describe. This is like you've got papers on the owner. You've got pictures. I guess it's, it's, it's 2020. You've got a video – you're threatening to release a virus like the Joker on the city of Houston. <laughs> why is Bill O'Brien bad use of virus thing? But why is Bill O'Brien allowed to exist? I have no idea, man. I've been asking myself that for a while. <laughs> like, I thought for sure he would have been fired after last year's uh, playoff game against the Chiefs, but I guess not. This is fired for much less. They say, oh, he wins the division. Man, dudes have won the division and get fired quite frequently. Like, I, I mean, Tony Dungy was, got better every year and lost the championship game. They say he can't win it, and they fired him. Like they, and I was, I'm not even trying to make it a race issue. But, my God, dudes have been – Money Schottenheimer went 14-2, and two, and he got fired for underachieving. Just with the talent that's come through Houston, now the talent that they let leave – these dumbass moves. You just traded. You you just traded uh, DeAndre Hopkins for a fourth round pick. Then the, the worst thing about it is that you took on David Johnson's contract and you traded for Carlos Hyde, or you got Carlos Hyde, and uh, who else did they just get? And the catching receiver from uh, Duke Johnson. Like now you got yeah. three running backs. What is happening? I don't understand why they even allow Bill O'Brien to have, like, the say-so, man. Like, what is, what is his credentials for that? Like, 
you used to have to have like a, a winning record or Super Bowl rings or something for an owner to give you GM duties. Yeah, to give you GM duties, man. Like you don't you don't just come in and, and, and underachieve like he's done and get GM duties. Like I could look at a game of Bill O'Brien coaching and I could tell myself that this is not somebody I want to, to make calls for my roster. He can't make calls on the field. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like I want Bill O'Brien to focus on the game, the X's and O's. I want you to fix this that I'm watching on TV. Don't worry about the roster. So it doesn't make any sense. I just don't understand. And then you had the rumors of them not getting along. And then my favorite crackhead, Michael Irvin, comes on first (laughs) date and says that (laughs) Bill O'Brien sat Newt Hawkins down, DeAndre do you know why he's called Nuke? I had a white girl slide into my DMs and say, why is he called Nuke? Or how do you say it? She said, how do you say it? I said, Nuke. And then uh, she's like, why? It's like, I don't know. Do you know why they call yeah, him? He's from South Carolina, man. I don't know if you ever heard him talk about South Carolina, but they don't really need a reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can look, I'll look it up. I'll look it up after the podcast. I got but honestly, They don't really need it. Yeah, I'm, it like yeah. he... He's a nuke. Like I never understand why he's nuke. And, and, and they, but anyway, um, he, the story goes that he sat down. He said he was worried about it. This is what they had to do for Aaron Hernandez when he was at the Patriots, and he was worried about that he had baby mamas coming on to the facility or something. Or it was definitely the old white man stereotypes the black athlete speech. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, but we're, we're again talking about a league where people asked about their moms being prostitutes and things like that during interviews uh, just to get into the league. So it doesn't really surprise me if this conversation was true. I just I don't understand where coaches get these egos from. Like Bill Parcells, who has one of the biggest egos of any coach, and he's my favorite coach of all time. He used to talk shit to these dudes, but it was to get under their skin for a purpose. It wasn't just like, I'm trying to put you down. It was like, I'm trying to motivate you to do better. I'll never forget it. Terry Glenn pulled the hamstring, and they asked him uh, what was going on. He said, she's doing fine. Like, he was just challenging his manhood to get him out there on the field. Like, he went after Phil Sims all the time, but not, like, going after you as a man, as a person. You know, it's just it's too much with these guys. And they haven't accomplished anything. Both of these are Belichick disciples, too, which is very interesting. And yeah. it's like they have the arrogance without the skill. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get give people – power and authority and they've never really been anything in life they don't know how to handle it it's intoxicating to them so they just kind of run with it i think that's what we see in uh o'brien and patricia man like bill would never talk to these guys like that man we've already discussed that uh bill billichek or parcells would never talk to these guys like that talking about uh sucking dicks and you don't need to have your baby mama around type stuff no no never and and they coach some of the craziest people that the NFL had seen, and they've never had any And issues. those people um, love them. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's Keyshawn Johnson, you know, Randy yeah. Moss. And they, those guys love 
Belichick and Parcells. And, and to some degree, they love the structure. But it's the structure that you respect, not because you're just talking shit to them. Yeah, and also, and those guys yeah. are going to do their job and they can coach. So you respect them because they, you know that you're getting the best coaching. And I, again, think it's just simple common courtesy and, and intellect when you travel and you talk to people and things like that. You build a rapport before you start joking with people or, or saying things that are kind of out of out of left field. Like, I mean, I've, I've said some crazy stuff online uh, in our group and stuff like that, but I think everybody can tell who I've got good rapport with and how I talk to them and how I joke with them or how I come at them when I argue with them. And, I mean, we, we talk about uh, Holla. Holla and I go back and forth in a way that I don't go back and forth with you, but we have a different rapport, you know? So it's it's just it's just one of those things where I, I scratch my head, like, who who raised you, man? Like, this is beyond football. Like, where are you from where you could just talk to somebody like that and, and they don't say anything or, or check you? Like, how did you get this far in life without getting your teeth knocked <laughs> out, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't. Over a, a Twitter post as far as for Patricia and and, and and Slay, like what? And then you're losing good players. Like, do you think you're Belichick that, you know, you're not going to find Malcolm Butler undrafted and turn him into a, a, a Pro Bowl player? That's, that's mm-hmm. a rare skill that only Bill Belichick has. You don't have that that spotty sense, that Professor Xavier stuff, to see these diamonds in the rough and only put them in a situation to be successful and make them good, or you coach them up so well that they become great players. Like, that is a Bill Belichick thing. That That's not mm-hmm. a you thing. You haven't done that ever. There's nobody Matt Patricia found became a diamond in the rough and then uh, they he um, they became great. And same thing with Bill O'Brien. There's just not. You could make a case, strong case that Deshaun Watson overcomes Bill O'Brien's play calling. He's yeah. not developing Deshaun Watson. I, I will give him credit. In the first year, he adapted the offense and made it much friendlier than I thought it would be. But this is Deshaun Watson's show, man. Yeah, and, and uh, these guys – are the type of guys that don't last long in the league when they get to uh, like like Shannon said when the players start saying things to you like don't talk to me no more let the position coach talk to me then that's when we're gonna have issues I think I think that's the thing well in the Texans case it probably didn't matter because of how their owner is but um, in the case of Slay if Slay maybe had have told um, told my man not to talk to him no more and, and made made his uh, feelings known. And with him being essentially like their one of their franchise cornerstones, he probably would have got some kind of attention. You know, if they were winning football team, obviously they're losing, and he won't, he just opted to be traded. But um, I think if you go to the right franchise and, and you say something crazy like that, you'll see what happens. You know. Yeah. Well, do you have anybody else or anything else that we missed out? Any moves that you want to comment on? This is all we got these days is uh, uh football transactions. Nah, man, other than like I said, just people just need to understand you don't trade prime talent for the chance of a draft pick. Like I'm not trading I mean, I mean like in the in the Buckner case, I guess it's like that's what I'm trying to relate it to. Basically, I'm not trading any top two player or top five player 
at their position for a draft pick. I'm just not. Because you know what you have in the top five player. You don't know what you're getting in that draft pick, and it's just too much of a gamble. I mean, I know people say things like Chase Young. He, he, Chase Young is a can't-miss uh, draft pick. There's still a higher chance that Chase Young is a, is a bust than it, than it is that you've already seen what Nick Bosa has done in the league. So you wouldn't trade Nick Bosa for the chance to draft um, Chase Young. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense. And I need people to start understanding that. Like like, I look at it like a lottery ticket. So if I said, here's $100,000 or here's a lottery ticket with a one in five chance of winning, or even if I mm-hmm. said it's a lottery ticket with a 50% chance of winning, because they say there's a 50% rate, a success rate for the first round. But if I say there's a 50% chance of winning uh, with this, or I can give you this $100,000, but the lottery ticket – probably isn't going to be better at, at you know, it, it might equal it, but the lottery ticket is probably not going to be better than the player that you have. So it doesn't even make sense to me. I guess if you got a couple lottery tickets, but then that lottery ticket would be a 50% chance, 20% chance, 30% chance of winning. So it just doesn't, it, I guess it's like the old price is right, and de- let, let's make a deal thing, but it's not very smart. Yeah, it's, it's not, but I'm, I'm not the brightest and it comes to GMOs and things like that, so I, I shouldn't be so critical. But some of the things that people say, man, it just it makes me mad. It's like, do you do you watch film? Do you, do you know who you're looking at with these players and their positions and, and where they rank and how the business works? So um, that would be my only rant, man. Other than that, free Dwayne Haskins, please, 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 Washington, <laughs> let him go somewhere where he can try to be successful. Nobody deserves this. In closing, I will say we don't have to free Cam Newton. I'm not Cam. Well, Cam Newton too. But we don't have to free James Winston because he is very free right now. He's not subject to anything. Hey, right, he gonna bounce back, man. He gonna bounce back. I hope somebody picks him up. Though. I mean, he he he's deserving of being a starter. Like, damn. Like, God, God. There was a lot of production. There's a lot of mistakes, but there was a lot of production. Like, somebody give James. I just don't see how. Belichick, of all people, is going to put up just with his silliness. He's not serious enough for Belichick to try to fix. But I hope Belichick starts Brian Hoyer and everybody can see that Belichick's got a lot to do with it. But don't keep telling me this Brady system crap because let, let's see how, what you do. You go with Siddham and you go with Hoyer, and let's see what you really got, Belichick. Let's see how great that system really is. Man, I think, I think he's just trolling the books, man. I can imagine that the books probably – uh, went down and uh, put a lot of money behind um, the Bills and the Dolphins. I mean, even if it's Andy Dalton, like, you can't just make quarterbacks good. There's, like, three games of Jimmy Garoppolo. They are the, – the, everybody uses Castle. But you had Randy Moss in his prime, Wes Welker. That team has just come off going on 16-0, and 0, and you still only won, what, 10 games or 11 games and didn't make the playoffs. From a sixteen and zero mm-hmm. team, like that was like his most talented team ever, and and you know the other ones are short, short, a small sample size with Jimmy G and Matt, and uh, and who else was Jacoby Brissett, but Matt Castle ended up being good because in Kansas City he made the Pro Bowl in Kansas City. So like I, I just don't I hate don't get me started on the Brady stuff. I just hate the way that people don't know the game and try to diminish Brady. So 
free anybody that wants to come play for Tampa Bay. That's my official team mm-hmm. for the 2020 season. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> Tampa Bay Brady's baby. That's my football. Oh, man. Tampa Bay Brady's. <laughs> if, if we have football, it's going to be a good – it's going to be fun. For sure. Knock on wood. All right, man. Thank you. All right, no problem.